It had been a long, hard day. Not that different from a typical day, but it was just so cold and damp. And she had been looking forward to dinner for a while. Dinner was always a, a bright spot in the monotony. What was on the menu tonight? But it was as she took that first bite that she realized something was very wrong. A, a white hot searing pain that began in her mouth moved up into her temples like the world's worst migraine. She nearly passed out. And, and then it was, it was as though uh, an unseen force was, was yanking her forward and relentlessly it pulled her up and up and forward and forward. Was this a dream? It was as, as though she crossed into the heavens and she gasped, realizing she, she couldn't breathe, could barely see. Was this outer space? And as she just struggled to stay awake, she desperately needed air. She heard a loud, clear voice. Wow, that's a keeper for sure. Get the net. I'm Ryan, and I like to fish. I've got the, uh, my fishing sandals on this morning, so... Uh, I even, I even like the sort of the, the monotony of not catching fish. For me, it's something that is both exciting and relaxing. But have you ever thought about fishing from the fish's perspective? From the point of view of the fish? Because it's, it's like something that is, is enjoyable, exciting, relaxing versus something that drags you away to your death, right? And this, I, this thing that the same the same thing could be fun and drag us away to our death is exactly how James describes temptation. He says it lures us. And we know, we, both, we all know that, that life is full of, of trials and temptation. It, it can be easy to want to throw in the towel and, and stop resisting. I mean, there, there's things like uh, money and influence and power and, and our culture is always saying more, more, never enough. But if you've ever struggled to endure trials in your workplace, in your relationships, in your finances, in your health, or you, you, you see the enticement of sin and you, it, it is enticing and you find that hard, or maybe you've been with us these last few weeks and you've heard us talking about joy in the midst of trial and you think, oh, that, that sounds so hard then you're going to want to listen to James's word to Christians this morning. Because when we talk about joy in the midst of suffering, we are not talking about joy, happiness in the midst of bad, finding the silver lining, as if to say, it's raining in your life, but look, a rainbow. Rather, rather, there's something about the suffering itself that gives us joy, that allows us to endure trials, and resist temptation, and gives us something that James calls the crown of life. So we are in a series in James called Faith Works. You can open up your Bibles. We're in James chapter 1. 
And we're just going to jump back a couple of verses to review uh, where we've been. We're going to start in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, Count it all joy, my brothers. Some translations say my brothers and sisters. The ESV puts the little B there to let you know that it includes uh, women as well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's something about testing our faith that produces steadfastness, and steadfastness helps us be mature and complete. So keep that in mind as we jump into the text for today. This is James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. Lord, that we can gather as believers together and worship you. It's the cry of our heart, Lord, would you be moving in this place today? Holy Spirit, would you be providing a right now word for every person here? Lord, that we would leave, um, leave here today and go out and be changed, transformed in the image of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so in the verses we just looked at, steadfastness is mentioned three times. And, and that's part of the big idea for today. Steadfastness is a superpower. With it, we endure trials with joy, we resist temptation, and receive the crown of life. So we're going to look at um, how steadfastness is a superpower and how to have more of it in our lives. But first, I think if we're going to be talking about steadfastness, we should make sure that we understand it. And we were kicking this idea around in life group, um, and it's just this idea of, unwavering, faithful, immovable. Scripture uses um, the illustration of, of being tossed around by the waves as somebody who's not steadfast. And so it just to me, like I imagine this, this giant rock in the ocean getting hammered by the waves and it is just not going anywhere, right? This is this picture of steadfastness that we're exploring today. So how is steadfastness a superpower? How can we have more of it in our lives? First point. A steadfast person endures trials. Let's look at what it says in verse 12 again. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. And so sometimes when we, when we see the word blessed or blessed, like, it's easy to get caught up in what the culture says, right? If, this, if you were to see uh, something on social media and it said hashtag blessed, what would that be a picture of? 
right? I mean, I often think, you know, it would be somebody on some tropical vacation or maybe they just got a new car or something like that, right? Hashtag blessed. But we're not talking, we're talking about blessed, not hashtag blessed, right? The context of this verse is in the middle of of trial and temptation. And so when you see blessed, think favored by God. It says that somebody who's blessed will receive the crown of life, will receive eternal life. And, and this is um, a familiar concept to you if you've been around here much recently, but this idea of what is, what is a trial, what is suffering, right? It's, we, we would talk about it as the difference between where you are and where you want to be. That difference is suffering, right? And, and we know that suffering can be, there's big trials in life. We know that there's little trials in life, you know? Like if you, if you go to the grocery store and they're all out of, you know, dolphin-free, chunk-light tuna, Right, I mean, that is a little, I mean, it's different my desired state and my actual state, but that is a little trial, right? And there's big trials in life. Just a couple of weeks ago, right, we heard from Shannon and Alex and Casey about just the heartache of family planning, about cancer. There is big trials, there is little trials, and God uses those trials. Trials are used by God. And trials are sent by God. We're going to get into uh, that second one a little bit more next week, I believe. But, but we can just, I mean, just look at scripture a little bit. We see that God sends Abraham a trial when he asks him to sacrifice his son Isaac. In the New Testament, Matthew 4, 1, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to be tested. Trials are used by God. Trials are sent by God. And when we talk about enduring a trial, we're not simply saying survive, right? Grin and bear it and just make it through. Enduring a trial is this idea of being faithful. Because every trial brings temptation. Every trial brings with it a temptation to sin. In April, I'm in my living room, looking out the window, my children are around me, and I hear two gunshots in Stoughton. My neighbor's house, his, his garage, had a bullet hole in it. I mean, this is, this is 20 feet from where I'm standing. And my kids are, are in that same room. And I just think, what could have happened? Oh. I mean, don't even have words for how, what kind of trial that would have been for us, right? Now, in that trial, every trial brings with it a temptation to sin. What's the temptation there? I mean, there's lots of temptations you could maybe imagine, right? Things that I would do with my anger and just, oh, there's lots of, lots of temptation, right? But the temptation to sin, in that case, like, man, do I believe in God's goodness? Why would he do that? That, is a, that would be a strong temptation for me, right? And if you face a financial trial, lose your job, there's a temptation to doubt God's provision, you lose a loved one in that trial, there's a temptation to doubt God's goodness. 
When you see righteous people suffer and evil people prosper, there's a temptation to doubt God's justice. But a steadfast person not only endures trials, they resist temptation. So when we talk about temptation, we're talking about this desire to sin. That's, it, it doesn't mean that you're not tempted, right? Everybody is tempted. Everybody who's ever lived is tempted. You'll be tempted. Jesus was tempted. And, and, and if you're um, paying close attention to the beginning, you might be wondering right now, wait a minute. When you, you read earlier that God does not tempt anyone and he himself cannot be tempted. But then you just said Jesus was tempted. So Jesus was God. God cannot be tempted. Jesus was human. Jesus was tempted. How's that work? It's a good question. So um, we did a sermon on that August of last year, August 9th, I think it was. The whole sermon was about the temptation of Jesus. So if, if that piqued your interest, you're like, oh man, I want to know more about that. Go back. It's available online. Um, but everybody will be tempted. It's, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you, has overtaken you, except that which is common to man. And immaturity is not about how often we're tempted. Rather, it's how often we resist temptation. Let's look at what the text says, verse 14. But each, each person is tempted when, right? Not if. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. It's like this. It's like fishing. A lure to a fish appears harmless or or maybe good. Maybe they think they're going to get a meal out of it. What are, what are lures in our life? Maybe success or beauty or fame. But just as different lures catch different fish, different lures ensnare different people. Everybody's temptation is different. And a fish, when caught, they're hooked, they're dragged away to our death, so too are we. And so temptation is not a sin, but if you welcome rather than resist it, it will drag you away to your death. Genesis 4, 7 says, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. I have a friend, a dear friend of mine who I love, who uh, was in full-time ministry pastoring a church. And he had an affair. Oh, how does that happen? He loves Jesus. He loves his wife. Nobody goes into a marriage saying, I want to cheat on my spouse. But when we welcome temptation rather than resist it, that is when we get dragged away to our death. And so the third point is a steadfast person doesn't blame, oh, I'm sorry, a steadfast person, though tempted, resists temptation. And then thirdly, a steadfast person doesn't blame God or others. So verse 13, 
just continuing right along, a steadfast person doesn't blame God or others for their temptation, says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Rather, temptation comes from Satan, the father of lies. Is that what it says? We read it already. Is that what it says? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But, this is what it actually says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Proverbs 19.3 puts it this way, a man's own folly, a man's own folly, ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Could Satan have a role in our temptation? Absolutely, right? James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But too often, far too often, we deny our responsibility. We get defensive. We, we know that it, it, we rationalize. We don't take responsibility I mean, just think about from the very beginning, right? In the garden, Eve eats the forbidden fruit. And what does she do? Does she say, oh God, I have sinned against you. Forgive me. I am sorry. Right? Does she do that? No, no. She, she takes she, playbook, right? The serpent deceived me. What does Adam do? Adam decides he wants to sleep on the couch that night. Adam says, the woman whom, and he blames Eve and God. He says, the woman whom you gave me. And here's why that is such a big deal. And if you were kind of nodding off, just wake up for just a second here, and then go, you can go right back to sleep. When we have a victim mentality, it robs us of our ability to repent. Because we can't repent. Repent is when you stop and you turn away. We can't repent for something that somebody else did. And so when we blame other people, when we get defensive, when we deny, when we make excuses, rather than say, oh, I have sinned, I am sorry, and we stop, we confess, we turn away, a victim mentality robs us of our ability to repent. And a steadfast person doesn't blame God or others for, our, for um, temptation. Now, maybe you're looking at your life and you say, oh, my life is not characterized by steadfastness. Or maybe, maybe actually you'd say, it's characterized by steadfastness-less. Or maybe you say, you know, I, I have some steadfastness, but this ability to endure trials, to resist temptation, man, I would take more of that. And if, if, any of that is you, then we need to have a serious conversation about lipstick. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. So, so this, we're going to move into the audience participation part of the message. And so I just want to prep you. First service did a great job. So you got a high bar here. But I'm going to say something, and then you are going to finish the sentence out loud. Okay. Thank you. I, I, I have no doubt, right? So we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to say something. You're going to finish the sentence out loud. 
Maybe she's born with it. Maybe. Maybe it's Maybelline. Yes. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. So, so why does that matter? Because steadfastness is like Maybelline. It is something that you're not born with, right? Steadfastness needs to be developed. Okay, I want more steadfastness that needs to be developed. How do I develop it? What does it say in verse three? It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Or put another way, the key to enduring trials and resisting temptation is to endure trials and resist temptation. It's as easy as that. Doesn't feel that helpful, right? Doesn't feel that helpful. The key to enduring trials and resisting temptation is to endure trials and resist, resist temptation. Man, I'm gonna invite my friend Brian, come on up here, and see if we can um, make that a little bit, just give it a little bit different take. Give that for you. Yeah, so, so go ahead and introduce yourself, and, and what's your, what do you do around here? Uh, I'm Brian Stefan. I'm one of the elders here. We've been coming to Hillcrest for 12 years, uh, and uh, yeah, I have five daughters, so pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we have, we have one daughter, and uh, I, will, I will be praying, absolutely. Um, Man, I just, I just a bunny trail, but I just, my uh, wife has a shirt that says, so we have four boys and one girl. It says, mom of boys, um, less drama than girls, but harder to keep alive. So I feel like, I mean, so you may like, I'll pray for you, you pray for me, you know, we'll kind of do that for each other. Um, so I met Brian and we were new and he, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a friendly guy. Look at him. He's just, just like, you know, and so I went up to him and we we're just talking and um, I, you know, just kind of normal small talk, sort of like talking about what are your hobbies? Do you remember what you said at all? Uh, working out and video games. <laughs> yes, that's exactly, exactly what he said. Working out and video games, which is obviously one of my hobbies as well. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't get it. First service, la- that was supposed to be the ooh, ah, part of the sermon. Like, wow. Okay, um, all right. I know who my true friends are, I guess. Um, yeah, so working out. And so Brian, so you... You're strong. How, how do you get strong? You lift heavy weights. You lift heavy weights. So you guys catch what he said? In order to lift heavy things, you have to lift heavy things. Okay? Same circular logic as uh, steadfastness. The key to enduring trials and resisting temptation is to endure trials and resist temptation. And just as we said at the beginning, there's small trials in life, right? Remember that gap? There's big trials, no cruelty-free chunk like tuna, right? That is what allows us to grow in steadfastness. God does that in us. So you lift heavy weights that are heavy for you at the time, and then what happens as you lift them? Uh, as you lift them, it gets a little lighter, so the next day you hope it lifts a little bit more, and the day after that, a little bit more, and keep and going. And pretty soon you're ripped. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, right? So, so that's great, but like, what, what happens? I mean, that's good news, because what it tells me is, uh, you know, I can start by benching the bar, you know, and then eventually grow on that. Um, but what happens if you replace your arm curls with cheese curls? 
It's a scary thought. Uh, you get weaker. You get weaker, right? It goes, the, it goes the other way too, right? And so it, in life, as we're growing in steadfastness and, and, and endurance and resisting trials, at every turn, every day, we have the opportunity, the opportunity to say, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to just, I'm not going to resist. I'm going to be hooked and lured and dragged away. So, hey, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Give him a round of applause. So, yeah, so hopefully that, that helps, right? It's this idea, man, even though, even though we need to endure trials to endure trials, even though we need to resist temptation to resist temptation, we, we can do it, right? Just like working out. And I want to, I um, in addition to that, I want to give a specific uh, strategy for temptation because I feel like that is such a critical thing. And if you're anything like me, I mean, I can hear a message on a Sunday and I can think, I really enjoyed that. It was some good tips. And then by the time I get to the parking lot or sometimes the, the doors, I mean, I can't, I can't, there's five good points and I can't remember any of them. And so I really like memorable things, something that's going to kind of stick with me. And so the strategy for resisting temptation is don't be a flea. Sounds pretty easy, right? I'm like, got that covered. But that's actually two different strategies don't be and flee. So that's, that's, our, that's our strategy for resisting temptation. This don't be is this idea, don't be where temptation might find you. Because nobody can be caught in a place that he doesn't visit. You know, a lot of times in life, we, we um, you know, I have this idea of what is right and what is wrong, and, and we'll draw a line, and we'll say, okay, here's the line on what's okay. And maybe it's, you know, ethics in my business dealings, or maybe it's um, the way I treat my friends, or maybe in dating relationships, right? I'm like, I'm all like oh, you know, I want to be sexually pure, so where's the line? And I know I can't sleep with my girlfriend, but, like, where's the line? And, you know, if the line's right here, sometimes I might be like, well, oh, like, how close to the line can I get? And then I fall over the line, and I'm like, oh, how'd that happen? I have no idea, right? Like, Don't be in a place where temptation might find you. The question we should be asking in all these areas of our life is not how close to the line can I get, but how much can I honor God in my business relationships, in my dating relationships, as a parent, as a friend? Like, that is the question we should be asking ourselves. And so that first part, don't be, don't be in a place where temptation might find you. And then the second one, and flee. If you should find yourself in a place where temptation is, it might find you, right? And, and we, we just talked about it before, different lures, different fish, different lures, different people, right? Your lure is different than my lure, okay? But if you should find yourself in a, where temptation is, man, get the heck out of there. It's like, I am a great rationalizer. I, I don't know if my wife means that as a compliment. I'm thinking not, right? But if you're anything like me and you're like, oh, well, it's not that bad, or, mm, you know, this is okay, or it won't, it's not that big a deal, right? If you give yourself time, you can rationalize anything. And so don't be where temptation may find you, and should you find yourself in an area with temptation, man, get out of there. Don't give yourself time to rationalize. If you think about the normal suffering for a child growing up. It's like, man, 
Chores are really hard for a child. Delayed gratification, oh, so hard for a child. Got to eat the Oreo later, right? (laughs) Saying I was wrong, I'm sorry, so hard for a child. Those things are all actually hard for me too. But the child may look at the parent and say, "Why, why do you give me those things? Why do you send me those trials? Probably won't use that word, but don't you love me? And the child, I'm sorry, the parent says to the child the same thing the father says to us. My precious child, it is because I love you that I send you these trials, right? He is building us up in steadfastness. He is growing our steadfastness. And and you and I, like a child, may not understand why why I have these trials, why I have these particular temptations. But do you trust him? Do you believe that he is good? Do you believe that he loves you? Because as he is building us up to be a steadfast people, to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, as he is doing that, man, We will become a people who resist the enticement, the lure of temptation, who endure trials with joy and who at the end of life, when we finish the race, we will be given a victor's crown, the crown of life, eternal life. And with that perspective, with the father's perspective, that's why James says, when you endure trials, count it all joy. Let's pray. God, it's easy to hear your word and it is much harder to do. And Lord, I, I know that if it's up to us, we will, we will not be just a willpower, just try harder. Lord, we cry out, we ask your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you Would you help us? The desire of our heart is to be like James describes, to be a faithful, immovable people that remains strong and steadfast, God. And we can't do it on our own. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.